Having sex with someone can be nerve-wracking, especially if you're in the early stages of dating. It's nudity, it's intimacy, it's hopeful vulnerability. Uh, It's a lot. So maybe you sink a couple of beers or wines to shush those voices in your head, or maybe you need a couple of G&Ts to get you to even contemplate having sex with your life partner whose farts you've been smelling for the last couple of decades. How about sober sex, though? It's becoming more popular as people turn their backs on alcohol. I'm one of them. And sex, sober, frankly, is very different to loosey-goosey, piss-happy sex. One of those people who only has sex sober now is author of the fabulously titled book Dry Humping. Dry Humping, get it? Her name is Tawny Lara. She hasn't had a drink for over eight years now. And I spoke to her for the Ladies We Need to Talk episode on sober sex. I started out by asking her how her sober journey started. I'd always flirted with sobriety. I was a party girl bartender and I always kind of knew that I drank too much. And I tried here and there. But there was something that, you know, when when I was out with, uh, with some friends and drinking in a pub and I was talking about how I don't have time to write something clicked, you know, like I left the pub and I realized I just spent four hours drinking, talking about how I don't have time to write. And the next morning I woke up and I didn't drink for a week and then two weeks. And then my 30th birthday was coming up and I was like, what if I just don't drink for a whole year and I blog about it? And as a proper millennial, that is exactly what I did. (laughs) That's so good. So your drinking was, in your opinion, a bit problematic, but it wasn't sort of rock bottom situation? I'm so glad you asked that because I think this is one of the biggest stigma around binge drinking is, you know, you don't have to hit rock bottom Mm before you decide to change your relationship with alcohol. One could probably argue that my life was a rock bottom, but I never had that moment of like, like you see on TV where someone's lost everything and they're living under a bridge and their families cut them off. I didn't have that. That's definitely more cinematic and it looks better on screen. But for me, it really was just a social experiment. You know, we didn't have the term sober curious back then, but that's definitely what I was. Let's talk about sex then. Before you got sober, what was sex like for you? It was a hot mess of blackouts and hookups and just craving external validation from from other people and, quite frankly, uh, faking a lot of orgasms. (laughs) My sex was quite performative before I quit drinking. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So tell me about faking orgasms. I'm I'm guessing that you st- stopped <laughs> doing that. I did. The first time I had sex without alcohol, I was very honest with the with the person that I was sleeping with. I was just like, "Look, I've this is the first time I've had sex without alcohol. I feel uncomfortable. I feel awkward. We need to take this slow." And they were like, "Okay, you got it." Like, I would have never advocated for myself in that way when I was still drinking. And then, you know, while we were having sex, I realized there was this moment where I was like, okay, this is normally where I would start, start the performance. Like I would start faking. And I had this realization. I was just like, and I told them, I was like, I would normally fake an orgasm around this point. 
and I don't want to do that anymore. And they were like, great, let's not do that. <laughs> and, and that was, it was so liberating for me. I, you know, I, I think there's something about when you look in the mirror and you're honest about your relationship with alcohol, you kind of have to be honest about pretty much everything else in your life. And I mean, at least that's how it was for me. So, Tony, how did you prepare for sex? Did you know you were going to have sex with this guy? And and were you nervous? I was. I definitely was nervous. Um, he knew that I was sober. I was probably like six months sober. And in the, you know, the first chapter of my book, I talk about the importance of dating yourself and really getting to know who you are as a sexual being without alcohol in the picture before you bring other people into the bedroom. So, you know, I've, I've done, I had done a fair amount of work on myself in that regard. So by the time I, you know, we'd went, we'd been on a few dates and I felt like I was, I was ready to do that, you know, to have my second first time, <laughs> if you will. And it was just a lot of communication. And like I said before, I, I never advocated for myself like I did once I got sober. I just really wanted to be touched and validated through sex. And um, I had to really reel it, reel it in and communicate how I felt. And I'm really, really grateful that my so my first sober sex experience was with someone who was really kind and patient. And I would say, you know, if anyone listening is like worried about having sober sex for the first time, um, and you try to tell them that you need to go slow and they try to pressure you, that is when you need to get the hell away. Yeah. You said a couple of times that you advocated for yourself in the bedroom in ways that you never would have when you were drinking. But that doesn't mean it's less scary, does it? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, if anything, it can feel more scary and more vulnerable. I learned the tools for how to communicate and also spending time alone taught me what I actually want. Like, what do I like sexually versus what society has projected on women? What sh what we should want in bed, how we should behave in bed, that we're supposed to please men. And I really had to do a lot of that personal work and figure out like where the hell I am, you know, what is my sexuality? What do I like? What do I dislike? You're a bit of an expert on sober sex. Can you explain to our listeners how alcohol affects our bodies when we're having sex? Societally, we've been taught to incorporate alcohol with dating, with sex, with, you know, take a shot of liquid courage before you hit on someone in the bar. And I think the, the common theme is liquid courage. It is that whether you're sober, sober curious, you drink heavily, or you just want to be more mindful of how you drink, regardless, the concept of liquid courage is the through line. We, we rely on this liquid to make us feel more confident, and we don't realize that while it's numbing our inhibitions, it's actually numbing our senses. So sex with inebriation, I'm not talking one drink, I'm talking drunk sex, you're not going to feel as much pleasure as you could if you were fully present. Why do you think that alcohol and sex have become so entwined in our minds? I think it's just it's a really easy fix. You know, it's it, you take a shot of tequila and you're going to instantly feel a little bit more confident. And there's nothing else quite like it. A lot of my work reminds people that 
you know, you know, people like people are like, how can I be more confident in bed without alcohol? And I remind people like, look, you gave up alcohol in a really, really boozy world that requires such an insane amount of confidence. That's the confidence that you need to bring into the bedroom. And I wish someone told me that when I was newly sober, because like you said, it was very linked for me. I'm going on a date. I need a drink. I'm going to have sex. I need a drink. And I think it's just it's societal norms. It's film and television. It's peer pressure. Alcohol is also such a big part of friendships and work relationships, holiday parties. It You know, it's just it's everywhere. We find ways to implement it into every part of our lives. So if there is a way to make ourselves a little bit more confident in an easy way, of course, we're all we're all looking for that quick fix. Right. Like, so I, I get it. I really, really get why it's so ubiquitous. But you're probably not having the best sex that you could if you're always inebriated during it. Tell us about how good sex does feel when you're sober. It can be transformative. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that I have a partner who is also sober and he is very patient and we speak the same language. And now the sex that that we have is so real and honest and vulnerable. And I personally couldn't have that with alcohol. Some people might be able to, you know, and and that's amazing. I couldn't. Um, For me, the alcohol was a mask trying to make me someone else. So of course, I'm not having good sex because I'm not there for myself. I was there for someone else. Now, it's for me. Just that perspective shift alone can make sex without alcohol incredibly transformative. How did you rediscover your ability to feel sexual pleasure? Masturbating gave me a lot of confidence learning my body. You know, I, I definitely masturbated before, but it was very different. Um, I was I would say like even being intimate with myself when I was drinking, masturbation was a little bit more quickie. It was like, <laughs> you know, get in, get out. And now I'm just like, I t- like I'll take my time and have an intimate experience with myself sometimes, not every time, but, you know, there is just, I think it's just overall, there is this mindfulness in my sexuality now. And I had to really get to know my body first and get to know my mind first and have the two connect because that there was a major disconnect there when I was drinking. Tell me about how your sexual liberation is linked with your sobriety. I would say for me, I I used to think sexual liberation was just having like really crazy group sex at a sex party or at a sex club. That's what I thought sexual liberation was. And it absolutely can be. But getting sober and working on my book taught me that sexual liberation is really just freeing yourself from the societal standards, especially for women. It could be anything from, you know, coming out of the closet to maybe realizing that you actually don't like sex or maybe you don't like penetration or, you know, it's really figuring out what sex means to you. That is sexual liberation. And of course, you know, zooming out from a macro lens, what does sex mean to you without alcohol? What advice would you give to other women who are trying to find their their life without alcohol and their, their love life, their sex life? Yeah, I would... I would absolutely say you're not alone and it's hard. It's really freaking hard. 
Uh, trust me, I've been there. And I would treat your sobriety or sober curiosity as a filter. You know, you're going to filter a lot of assholes out. And I think that's a good thing. You know, your standards are probably going to go up. And because of that, you'll probably have fewer dates, but you'll have more quality dates and quality sexual experiences. And that sounds, I made it sound a lot easier than it actually is. But instead of looking at it as, you know, I'm sober, no one's going to want to date me, reframe it as I'm sober and I am in control of who I allow to date me. Feel empowered by this decision to not drink alcohol and that empowerment will show up on the date and in the bedroom. What I've found, Tawny, in talking to people for this episode of our podcast is that alcohol seems to have been a bit of a self-medicating tool for women who've experienced sexual trauma in their pasts. What's your advice for women who are kind of um, processing this and how can they unlatch from their reliance on alcohol to so-called get through sex? I'm so glad that you asked this question. It's because we can't talk about the perks and the benefits of sober sex without talking about the reality of sexual PTSD and using alcohol to self-medicate. So thank you for going there. There is a full chapter in my book on this where I've interviewed therapists, sex therapists, doctors about this exact intersection. And I will say sober sex can be very, very tricky if you have experienced sexual PTSD. And I strongly encourage anyone who's sober or sober curious to find therapy or peer support so you're not going through this alone. But really, this is where the communication comes in. I have experienced uh, sexual trauma and I'm very upfront and open with my partner when we're having sex and it feels triggering. I tell him I need a break. I need to stop. And I would have never done that before if I didn't have the tools that I learned in sobriety and in therapy. So I would 100% say give yourself some grace and just go as slow as you possibly can and communicate as much as you possibly can. There's absolutely no rush to to have sober sex if, if you're not ready. And if you think you are ready and halfway through you realize you're not, you can absolutely stop. This is your experience. You're not there for someone else. My heart goes out to anyone struggling with that because I, like I said, I'm almost eight years sober and I'm still struggling with it. It's really freaking hard sometimes, but it's that's why we say one day at a time, right? Mm. It sounds like what you're saying is that if you do start to go into sobriety and having sex, you're going to have some baggage to unpack. Very much so. That is, that is the perfect little bow to, to tie. Yes, it could be fun. Yes, it can be liberating. Yes, it can be empowering. But let's be real. A lot of us used alcohol to self-medicate, especially on dates and especially during sex. So in order to have a really healthy sexual relationship moving forward, you're going to have to do some of that really arduous unpacking. You know, the sex that you've described with your partner, it sounds very communicative, very adult. Can people, because a lot of our listeners are just hooking up with with people, can people who are in a hookup situation also get to that point or is it just in a, within a relationship realistically? Yeah, absolutely. I think as long as you're showing up authentically, I, I know the word authentic has been <laughs> completely diluted at this point, but showing up your authentic self and as long as you're there because you're enjoying the hookup, not because you think you should enjoy the hookup. 
I think you can absolutely have a really fabulous time in bed. If you have no interest in having a long term relationship, you know, maybe you're on the, you know, fray sexual or you're not uh, romantically attracted to other people. That happens. Some people just genuinely want sex and no romantic attachment. That's totally fine. You know, if that is your sexual liberation, I think as long as you're just you're being honest with yourself and with the person that you're sleeping with and there's clear boundaries, you can absolutely have a kick ass time. What's the chasm like now that you're kind of more in touch with what you want? What is the chasm like between performative sex and the actual sex that you want? Yeah, that's that's such a good question. And it's and it's so deeply personal for each person. You know, like for me, performative sex was faking orgasms and pretending that I liked positions that I didn't really like because I was prioritizing my sexual partner's pleasure over my own. Those were for me, those were the two big elements of performative sex. For some people, it might be coming out of the closet, realizing I actually don't like having sex with men. I would rather have sex with women. You know, it's just it's going to be it's going to be so different, which is, you know, like you said, you're going to unpack a lot of shit. Can't recommend therapy or peer support groups enough because you are going through some really significant changes when you drink less alcohol and then when you learn how to date and have sex without it. Let's talk about how you get in the mood for sex without alcohol, because, you know, as we've talked about, The first thing that we have in mind is a glass of champagne. It's almost like the foreplay before foreplay. (laughs) So what what about if alcohol's not in the room and it's just you? How or just you and your partner? How do you get in the mood? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different ways to get in the mood. You know, you can give each other a massage, you can light some candles. Um, there's also something to acknowledge in the beauty of ritual. If you guys like to share a bottle of wine before you're intimate. Maybe share a bottle of non-alcoholic wine or share a bottle of something. It can just be the ritual of sharing a bottle, you know, opening the bottle, pouring the glasses, drinking it together, talking about the sensory experience. You're really just connecting. Like that's what the champagne is, right? You're you're cheersing and you're connecting and you're getting on the same page. I think the most important thing is to just remember that sex is supposed to be fun <laughs> and we we can put so much pressure on it and that's why i called the book dry humping i wanted people to know like look we're going to ha- we're going to talk about some really heavy stuff but we're going to have fun like we're going to talk we're going to laugh we're going to have a good time because sex should be fun it should be something that you're experiencing some form of pleasure and connection from so just keep that in mind when you are, you know, pre-gaming for a first date or you and your partner are trying to find a new pre-sex ritual. Remember that you care about each other and you're just down to have some fun. That was Tawny Lara, author of Dry Humping, speaking to me for the Ladies We Need to Talk episode on Sober Sex. You can listen to the full episode right here in the ABC Listen app. 